Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schendel. Today, we betray our honor and examine the <laughs> 2004 direct-to-home video Disney sequel, Mulan 2. But first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers or want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, just remember... It doesn't matter that your country is on the brink of war. All that matters is that you find love, <laughs> even if doing so could plunge your country into a thousand years of war and death. Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> While preparing for their wedding, Shang and Mulan are suddenly sent off on a secret mission. Mushu starts to meddle, and a surprise attack by Mongolians doesn't help either. That is the worst fucking logline. Wow. It's like written by a fucking wow. twelve-year-old. Seriously, man, it's terrible. Well, I mean, the whole movie was. So. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second Disney movie behind 2019's soulless abomination we covered in episode five called The Lion King. But given how Disney doesn't give two fucks how many sequels they make or how degrading and sad these sequels become or how horrifying the flaming bloody diarrhea it is <laughs> is landing on the grave of the original movie, this certainly won't be our last. For the record, I might have to make references to how awful the new remake of Mulan is that came out on Disney Plus this year, but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> Forgive me if I go into it and I don't expand on the new yeah. Mulan. Anyway. I felt like there's so many bad direct-to-video Disney sequels that we had to do one. Yeah. And I mean, I got, a, I got a whole list <laughs> here. Anyway. This movie was created and produced through Walt Disney Pictures. The 2019 CG horror show The Lion King aside, they released the excellent filmed version of Hamilton on Disney Plus this year, aka the 50th best movie of all time on IMDb apparently. The original Lion King from 1994, aka the 34th best movie of all time on IMDb. Spirited Away, the 27th best movie of all time. And all the Marvel movies, which I won't go into because I really don't give a fuck about most of them, especially the overly long, self-indulgent Avengers <laughs> Endgame. But anyway, they also gave us the Pixar masterpieces Coco, Wally, which is my personal favorite Pixar flick, the Toy Story Saga, Ratatouille, Up, Inside Out, Finding Nemo, aka the panty dropper movie that I discovered in college, Monsters <laughs> Inc., the Incredibles duology onward from this year, which got killed by coronavirus, but was put out straight to video, even though it is a very good movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's definitely not one of Pixar's best, but it's definitely one of their better ones. And the non-Pixar greats like My Neighbor Totoro, Princess Mononoke, Zootopia, the straight story from self-filating asshole David Lynch, The Nightmare Before Christmas from director Henry Selleck, Side note, stop giving Tim Burton credit for this movie. He didn't fucking direct it. Henry Selleck directed it. <laughs> anyway, they also did the original Aladdin, the original Beauty and the Beast, Big Hero 6, Wreck-It Ralph, Moana, The Little Mermaid, Fantasia, and a fuckload more of great movies. I'm sure you can think about it just listening to this podcast right now, all your favorite Disney movies. I sure hope to Christ that Mulan 2 is not one of your favorite Disney movies. Anyway... <laughs> 
I am not even going to go into the new Star Wars movies because I do not want to go down that road of debate <laughs> as episodes 7 and 9 suck as well as Solo, but that's a whole nother episode unto itself. We should actually do a Star Wars, strictly Star Wars only episode where we only concentrate on the new movies. <laughs> or we could talk about the prequels as yeah, well, but instead of breaking them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, they did give us a whole litany of shitty movies from the Jonas Brothers the 3D Concert Experience <laughs> with its abysmal cum-soaked 1.6 out of 10 on IMDb to Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus Best of Both Worlds Concert, George of the Jungle 2, Inspector Gadget 2, <laughs> Viva High School Musical, Beverly Hills Chihuahua with Tax Collector alum George Lopez, <laughs> Mr. Magoo, and its 18 Metacritic rating, Meet the Deedles with Paul Walker, which I fucking forgot about until I started writing this fucking thing, The Country Bears, A Wrinkle in Time from Selma director Ava DuVernay, who really fucked that up. I don't know. That is an excellent example of a great director making a studio picture <laughs> and the studio fucking it to shit. They also did Artemis Fowl from the Up His Own Ass with his culture named Kenneth Branagh, The Shaggy Dog with fucking Tim Allen, Air Bud Golden Receiver, A Kid in King Arthur's Court, <laughs> The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause with Tim Allen again. The Haunted Mansion, Jungle the Jungle with fucking Tim Allen again. And Flubber, the movie I wish Robin Williams had never been involved with. And the man starred in Jack. Just, yeah. I'm not even going to go into Flubber. But... That's not including the soulless bullshit remakes like Cinderella, Jungle Book, Peach Dragon, Beauty and the Beast, Mary Poppins Returns, Dumbo, Aladdin, Lady and the Tramp, Pinocchio, the Peter Pan remake known as Pan, 101 Dalmatians, and so many more to come. Fuck it. None of this matters, Paul. Everything that was good about growing up on Disney movies as a child has now become a shit stain on the chili dog underwear of society. <laughs> This shameless cash grab of panda shit was produced by six people. Four of the six people on this list had their career ended by Mulan 2. I'll repeat that. Six producers and four of them had their career ended in 2004 by this movie. So they aren't worth going into as such, but... Paul Sabella and Robert Winthrop remain. Side note before I continue, Takashi Iguchi didn't, uh, he's one of the producers, didn't entirely have his career end in 2004. His career ended as a producer for sure, but he did serve as a voice analyst for the animation of Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots and Armored Core Formula Front, if that's <laughs> worth anything. <laughs> Anyway, Paul Sabella has produced 67 other titles besides Mulan 2. Among them, The Greatest Adventure, Stories from the Bible, the original Smurfs TV show, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, the animated TV show, which I didn't know <laughs> fucking existed, The Miracles of Jesus, All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, The Beginner's Bible, Joseph and His Brothers. Side note, it would have sucked to have been Jesus' cousin. Imagine that shit being... <laughs> 
<laughs> fucking oh my god the first and second cousin of jesus that would have been terrible they all, he also did all dogs go to heaven the tv show which had 40 episodes apparently also I something i didn't fucking know robocop alpha commando which is a tv y7 <laughs> tv show for kids which i didn't know existed which also lasted 40 episodes how the fuck do you take okay so i know like the second and the third movies were rated pg-13 if i remember correctly but like only the, the first, third second movie is pretty goddamn violent yeah that's right you're right you're right but how do you make two r-rated movies that like got all this fucking cash and the third one flopped by the way but besides the point and you make it into a kids tv show with tvy7 <laughs> levels of violence when fucking Peter Weller is being fucking torn apart in the opening scene of RoboCop 1 and his fucking <laughs> hand is flying off and the fucking MPA had to step in and say that was NC-17 level violent. How do you go from that <laughs> to TVY7? I'm just asking. But besides the point, this guy also did 12, get it right, Paul, 12 My Little Pony movies. 12 Ooh, of them. I didn't know there were that many. Goddamn. Yeah. He also did five Care Bear movies, and, <laughs> and he did Bob the Builder, the TV show. So, yeah. He also served he? as... Yeah, that's good. But, I mean, he also served as the key animator and director of the Captain Stern segment of Heavy Metal. So maybe I can't entirely begrudge him as Heavy Metal is a complete fucking acid trip of insanity <laughs> that still fucking haunts my nightmares to this day. Yeah. Robert Winthrop is Paul Sabella's partner at SD Entertainment, and as such, they have similar filmographies. But I wanted to bring Robert up as he has a, he has had a hand in GI Joe Operation Dragonfire, which is awful. I don't know if you remember that TV show, mm, no. as well as the Mask TV show and Alvin and the Chipmunks, the original TV show from the '80s, and five TV show spinoffs of the movie Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Do you remember that movie, Paul? It was like two thousand. 2002 about the horse anyway dreamworks dreamworks produced it but they made five sequels all oh, of damn. which which are on or i'm sorry five not just five sequels five fucking tv shows with multiple seasons all of which are the on netflix as netflix originals and all of which keep spawning new seasons despite the fact that the movie lost almost 25 million dollars <laughs> for dreamworks upon its release in 2002 i don't know how the fuck you do that like oh we're gonna take this property that failed miserably and we're gonna make it into a tv show and not only that we're gonna make four Four spinoffs of that TV show, and it's gonna be fucking awesome. Kids are gonna latch on. There's a uh, audience for horse TV shows. I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a horse yeah. for. Uh, there's a fucking <laughs> market for anything on Netflix. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. This movie stars the voice talents of Ming-Na Wen, who starred as the original Mulan and is currently in the middling TV show for Disney Plus called The Mandalorian as Fennec Shand, the woman who helped him kick a shitload of Stormtroopers' asses in Jerk Off Robert Rodriguez's episode 14 that premiered on December 4th. Side note... I just got a real problem with fucking Robert Rodriguez and the fact that he <laughs> directed like a fucking episode that's even related to Star Wars. I'm like, how the fuck did he deserve that? Okay, like, okay, I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna take a side route for a second. Like, <laughs> right. so as a Mexican American man, I am all for Latinos like doing shit, especially like high profile shit 
and like doing big budget shit and whatnot. But Robert Rodriguez is fucking awful. Like besides <laughs> Dawn or besides uh, From Dust Till Dawn and Sin City, which I can't give him completely because a lot of that was jo- or uh, fucking what's his Frank name? Frank Miller or whatever. Frank Miller's influence yeah. directly upon him. I'm sorry, man. Like name me one thing that Robert Rodriguez has done that's any good. I mean, El Mariachi <laughs> is pretty good, but it's not great because you just see all of Tarantino's fingerprints all over it because yeah. it's like he's ripping off Tarantino in a Mexican way and like fucking what's it called? The sequel Desperado sucks. Once Upon a Time in Mexico sucks. All of his Spy Kids movies and all this fucking <laughs> like he's terrible, man. Like he's just fucking uh, terrible. I don't understand. You look at his filmography and ninety percent of it sucks. That's why he's directing TV. <laughs> so, but now he directed a fucking Star Wars TV show. But besides just that, one episode, just just calm down. He's was gonna it, come back. Bad, bad. Oh no, he always comes back. He, I mean, he. I mean, you know, Alita Battle Angel. In that he. Oh god. <sighs> He's got a place in that he can direct low budget movies just fine. You know. Or he can shit out a hundred and sixty-five million dollar former James Cameron movie <laughs> that is known as Alita Battle Angel, which makes no fucking sense. Christoph Waltz did not need to be in that movie. He only did that because he liked him so much in Tarantino's flicks. But the one thing that I will give Robert Rodriguez is Planet Terror. Planet Terror is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's the one yeah. good thing that he's made. Everything else is terrible. Fuck you, Rupert Sanchez, and you wanting to love on Robert Rodriguez, your countryman from Texas, you fucking douchebag. It's <laughs> a lot to take in, game. You got a yeah. lot of hate for this game. I'm going I'm to move past it. But this woman was you know, also... One thing, a... one thing that I like about Rodriguez is on his DVDs, he'll put like a recipe. His cooking or, segment? Like, yes. Yeah, his yes. cooking segments. Absolutely. Those are fun. I mean, that's cool. And I do I like his, uh, his 30-minute film school segments too. That's pretty cool too. Like, I really appreciate that about him. But I'm like, you know, unless, you're still trying to be like this big director. And if you, if you had your fucking mind straight, you would still be making these B movies like Planet Terror that are fucking good. But, like, stop trying to make, like, the big new fucking, like, you know, Alita Battle Angel, which you want to spin off into five sequels or whatever. Like, stop (laughs) trying to do that shit. I'm sorry, dude. Like, Robert Rodriguez is great with, like, Machete. You know, like, Machete is fucking great, even though it's a fucking bad movie. Like, it's a B movie, and it's fucking fantastic. It doesn't try to be anything but a bad movie. It doesn't try to be anything else, Yeah. yeah. But Robert Rodriguez, like, tries too hard to either be, like, the new James Cameron or, like, the new uh, fucking Quentin Tarantino or whatever. And I'm like, dude, stop, man. Just know where your place is as a filmmaker, which is making (laughs) fucking... I'm sorry, but seriously, your your place as a filmmaker is just making, like, fucking hyper-violent fucking B-style grindhouse movies, man. And you're fucking dope at it. Go back and do that, man. I miss those things. But anyway, she... This woman was also in... Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme as Chun-Li. Oh, Final Fantasy The Spirits Within as Dr. Aki Ross. Aki? Aki? I don't remember how the mm. fuck to say that name. I saw okay. that movie once and I hated it, but she was also in Aquafina is Nora from Queens, which I actually best boy gripped last year as Aunt Sandra. I don't really remember her. I remember meeting her, but I didn't place her as Mulan's voice, but so that's something. 
But side note, also starring in this movie is the great B.D. Wong, who I've also worked with on both Aquafina and Mr. Robot. He's a fucking consummate professional, and I can't tell you how nice it is to work with him. He does, however, have the smoothest skin, which somewhat resembles a wax sculpture and is impossible to light, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in a ton over the years, including the original Jurassic Park as Dr. Wu, including all the sequels, oh, by the way. But he's also in the excellent TV show Mr. Robot from USA Network as White Rose. Have you seen that, Paul, by the way? Do you no, watch Mr. Robot? Oh, my God, dude. You got to check it out. I think that you would really get a kick out of it, man. Like, yeah. as a fucking nerd, as well <laughs> as, like, the fact that it's, like, a really good TV show, you got to fucking check it out, man. It's no, good no, shit. No, no. But anyway, he was also in Gotham as Hugo Strange, the awful Netflix movie. Movie Bird Box with Sandra Bullock. The Space Between Us, shout out New Mexico Film, despite this movie's abysmal 33 on Metacritic. He was also in the awful Big Willie movie Focus with Birds of Prey alum Margot Robbie. The excellent HBO TV show Oz, which scarred me for life because of all the prison rape. The, <laughs> the fantastic The Salton Sea with the Island of Dr. Moreau alum named Val Kilmer. Executive Decision and of course the Jurassic World sequels. The movies I wished I could could have aborted as to avoid the spawning <laughs> of more terrible Jurassic Park movies. An important note here, Eddie Murphy is not in this movie. Eddie Murphy is replaced <laughs> in this movie as Mushu with Mark Mosley, a fucking white guy. Yeah, I'll leave that I right there. That part of Eddie Murphy's contract for Shrek prohibited him from reprising his role in this movie and that's oh, really? why he wasn't in it oh uh, yeah Not because i mean this that... is 2004 which means that that, yeah. that was the, the release of shrek 2 so like yeah. he would have been busy doing shrek 2 doing his voice recordings but he's doing <laughs> fucking voiceover man you know like he's yeah. doing fucking voice recordings i mean i know that there's a lot that goes into that but at the same time like you could have double dipped motherfucker that's all i'm saying <laughs> Well, I mean, if you look at the themes of Shrek, uh, it's kind of all about shitting on Disney at every point that it can. <laughs> so, even in the contracts, yeah. they were shitting on Disney. So <laughs> you got to hand it to him. Yeah. You got to hand it to him. Congratulations, Steven Spielberg, man! You really did <laughs> fucking release a classic with Shrek. For real, though, like Shrek yeah. is a fucking great movie. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Lucy Liu co-stars as May, one of the many useless females in this movie. But kudos to Disney for casting people of Asian descent to play Chinese characters. Lucy is, of course, fantastic as Oren Ishii in Quentin Tarantino's hyper-violent masterpiece Kill Bill Volume One, and gets Ray Liotta at the end of that. Movie movie but she is also in chicago aka the movie that stole either the pianist gangs of new york and most especially the lord of the rings the two towers best picture oscar in 2002 <laughs> she is also in two charlie's angels reboots the excellent hbo animated show animals which you gotta fucking see and is absolutely unforgettable in one of my all-time favorite tv shows southland did you fucking buy it yet regina king alone is worth the cost of all five <laughs> seasons just fucking buy it better yet i just discovered this today if you have an hbo subscription whether it's through amazon or you subscribe to their app you get hbo max for free motherfucker all you have to do is go and sign in and southland in its entirety entirety is on HBO Max. Just go watch it. <laughs>
Anyway, Harvey Feinstein co-stars as Yao. You'll know him from Mrs. Doubtfire as Uncle Frank, who helps Robin Williams craft his facial makeup. He's also in Independence Day as Marty Gilbert and Netflix's brilliant animated show Big Mouth as Jerome. Do you watch that, Paul? Big Mouth? Yeah, I watched it a couple times. Pretty oh good. Oh my god, good it's stuff. so good. This new season, dude, I was like dying laughing. Like I, <laughs> I could not catch my breath from this new season because it's yeah. so fucked up and over the top. <laughs> anyway, Sandra Oh plays the useless Ting Ting, and she's brilliant in the Oscar-winning movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti, but she is in 220 episodes of Grey's Anatomy, which she won her first Golden Globe for. I don't know, man. I don't like that show. I find it extremely fucking annoying and typical, yeah. and that's just me. But anyway, all I know is it's filmed in Seattle, so there you go. Is it really? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it takes place thing. in Seattle, right? I don't know if yeah, they actually sure film, they film it there. Why they film exteriors? They film it in Vancouver. It, and they they're exteriors uh, yeah, in Seattle. <laughs> no, I mean, occasionally they'll like shut down a street for filming something, but it's. Mm. I think the only thing they ever film in Seattle is Grey's Anatomy. There's not much mm. of a film industry here. And there so. used to be like some Twilight movies that were shot a little bit in between Washington <laughs> yeah. State and Oregon. Maybe. Probably just in Vancouver. Everything's <laughs> up in Vancouver. Yeah, so. everything's in Vancouver. Last but not least, George Takai, the legend himself, <laughs> plays first ancestor in this movie as well as the original Mulan. I'm going to get serious here for a second. I don't want to joke necessarily when I'm talking about George Takai, okay? He is an absolute treasure, and everyone should follow him on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, his perspective He's as a gay... sassy as yeah. fuck. <laughs> his, his perspective as a gay Asian man who is old enough to remember being rounded up by the U.S. government and put in a fucking concentration camp during World War II is important in that this is recent history. The U.S. has never apologized or acknowledged its racist actions towards Asian people or Native Americans or black people or any other person that isn't white, male, straight, cis and Christian, but I digress again. You all know him as Mr. Sulu from Star Trek, and rightfully so. He's a fucking living legend and should be celebrated. Anyway, this movie, I'm going to go back to joking now. This movie is written by Michael Lucker, Chris Parker, and Roger S.H. Shulman. S.H. being short for shithead. <laughs> Anyway, Paul, gee, what do you know, Paul, a movie about an Asian female protagonist that is written by three white males that lacks female perspective and cultural perspective? Who would have known? Michael Lucker wrote Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. Full stop. If you haven't seen this Wes Craven pile of hobo shit, it's really, really bad. But beyond that, he did write the box office failure spirit we mentioned earlier, 101 Dalmatians 2, Patches London Adventure, Home on the Range, Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch Has a Glitch, and Kronk's New Groove, a.k.a. Oh, Emperor's New Groove 2. Yeah. That was the other candidate for this uh, podcast. Kronk's New did. Groove? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn, dude. I hope these people, or I hope these aren't spec scripts and that you don't just look for gee i wonder what needs a sequel type movies and write that shit and try to sell it to disney because fuck you michael <laughs> lucker anyway chris parker co-wrote vampire in brooklyn and also gave us a dance battle movie called battle of the year and huh. heaven is for real a pro-christian proselytization movie by braveheart scribe randall wallace god fucking damn it <laughs> 
Anyway, lastly, Roger Shithead Shulman did write Shrek with five other people, but he also wrote Balto, Pee-wee's Playhouse, The Jungle Book 2, Bambi and the Great Prince of the Forest, which I didn't know was a fucking thing, The Fox (laughs) and the Hound 2, and get this, Paul, 11 Shrek spinoffs and sequels, as well as created a TV show called Jonas, a 34-episode TV show about the Jonas brothers in, quote, fun and unusual (laughs) situations as they try to live ordinary lives. Not a great pedigree to make a movie here. Guessing that's uh, playing on the Disney Channel right now. I don't know. I don't God. want to know. I don't give a shit. This movie was directed by Daryl Rooney and Lynn Sutherland. Lynn, in case you didn't know, is one of two women within the creative team to make this movie that centers on women. Just saying. She has directed four titles over the years, one of which is in post, and they include Mulan's 15th anniversary, The Voices of Mulan, to, which is a three-minute short with Mushu taking a look behind the scenes at the recording of the original Mulan movie and its sequel. <laughs> Her only other movie is Cinderella and the Secret Prince. No idea what the fuck that is. Daryl Rooney directed three titles ending with Mulan 2 and preceded by Lady and the Tramp 2, Scraps Adventure, and... <laughs> And The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, which I actually (laughs) tried to watch a couple nights ago for the first time and had to shut it the fuck off. For for what it's worth, though, he did... (laughs) He did write the original Aladdin story, just the story for the original Aladdin, with 16 other people on top of the four screenwriters. (laughs) So let's just say he wrote 5% of Aladdin and make it that, that, I think that's agreeable. He wrote 5% of Aladdin. Oh, and he wrote Curious George 2, Follow That Monkey. So, yeah. (laughs) This flaccid dick slap of a movie was released on video on December 17th, 2004. (laughs) That's 16 years ago, almost to the day, and is 79 minutes long and was produced on an estimated budget of $60 million against the original $90 million budget. (laughs) $60 million? $60 million, yes. $60 million. This movie being straight to video and being almost universally derided leads me to the following broken condom of a disappointment. I cannot find box office figures for this movie at all. Video sales, nothing. I am sorry about that, but what I do have to offer you in lieu of this complete (laughs) Alestra shit fart of a disappointment is that the original made over $300 million worldwide and its smallest impact was made in Finland with its $31,840 gross. You have no idea how fucking long it took me to dig up box office analysis for Mulan in Finland. As such, my usual disclaimer applies here. If my Finnish box office analysis for Mulan and the economy surrounding it in 1998 is not to your liking, I fucking encourage you to find a better (laughs) source. As such, the all-time biggest box office smash in Finland was the inaugural episode movie Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker with a $2.428 million opening and a $6.254 million gross. With a population of 5.147 million people in 1998 and an average cost of 25.418 Finnish marka in 1998 or $4.69 American, that brings 
Kong's total finish asses and seats for the original to 6,788.912 people saw the original Mulan in theaters in 1998. As such, with a turnout rate of 1.319 thousandths of the population expected to turn out for a Mulan property, that means estimated asses and seats in 2004 when Mulan 2 was released would yield 6,885.199 people would have seen this movie had it been released in theaters in Finland. As such, we can extrapolate that this movie would have grossed an estimated $42,757.09 in Finland. Finland. Mulan 2 has a unimpressive 5.7 out of 10, which is a lot higher than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> with 22,677 votes on IMDb. It joins the ranks of Deep Rising in that it is not on Metacritic at all and joins the last days of American crime in its stunning 0% on RottenTomatoes.com <laughs> with a splatty 42% audience score. This movie ranks highest amongst females aged less than 18 with a 6.4 out of 10 and lowest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 5.3 out of 10. My vote this week stands with 751 other voters <laughs> or 3.3% of the audience on IMDb that rated this movie 2 out of 10 stars. The only reason it's not a 1, by the way, in case you're wondering, is that the animation isn't terrible. That's it. <laughs> this week, it brings me and my family and the nation as a whole the highest dishonor that 1,743 people or 7.7% of the voters rated this movie a perfect fucking 10 best movie ever made on IMDb. My favorite reviews this week begin with Tim Brayton from Antimony and Ecstasy. Tim harangues, quote, it's no surprise that a script this addicted to fortune cookie utterances would fall short on presenting a sane, realistic version of China, end quote. <laughs> Original score, 4 out of 10 stars. Jeffrey Chen of Window to the movies retorts, quote, If it were any more trivial, it'd be invisible. Mulan 2 is rather more conceptually offensive, end quote. <laughs> Original score, 4 out of 10 stars. Lastly, Michael DeKenya of The Movie Report shames with, quote, Crap is still crap, no matter what pretty gloss you throw on it, end quote. <laughs> Original score, 1 out of 4 stars. Lastly, Mulan 2 is rated G by the MPAA. So, Paul, I want you to listen very closely to this because I want you to give me your opinion on how this happened. Hank Gowdy squats behind home plate. The six foot two inch tall, 182 pound right handed catcher and first baseman from the dump that is Columbus, Ohio, squats, <laughs> ready to take the biggest shit of his career for the New York Giants. It's October 10th, 1924, as we stand in Griffith Stadium in the nation's capital of Washington, D.C. It is a beautiful day, relatively, that is. Maryland, October has some really odd weather but that's besides the point as the sun peaks in and out of the clouds with 31,667 fans sitting in the stands this game stadium is packed at 117.28 percent capacity by far our largest capacity yet as this is game seven yes that's right the last game of the 1924 world series as Gowdy's New York Giants square off against the Washington 
Washington Senators. It is the 12th inning of this three-hour game that sees Washington and New York tied 3-3 as they slog through yet another inning of overtime. These teams are slugging it out as the 93-60 Giants look to defeat the 92-62 Senators. Washington's muddy fool... That's right. That's a real name somehow. A child grew up to an adult with the name Mud. What the fuck, 1924 America? Anyway, Muddy lifted a high pop into foul territory that looked like it would go to the second out of the inning. That is, if our man in question, Hank Gowdy, catches the ball. As our eyes trace from the ball to Gowdy, something is wrong, Paul. Gowdy looks like he is doing yoga on home plate. You stare closer as you realize that the impossible has occurred. Hank Gowdy, a 35-year-old man who looks like he's <laughs> 55 and a librarian, somehow Hank Gowdy has gotten his fucking foot stuck in his fucking catcher's mask. <laughs> you heard that right? <laughs> he, he flails around on home plate as the ball <laughs> fell flat to the ground. <laughs> Gowdy, missing his chance and blowing the series harder than Pamela Anderson blew Tommy Lee on that boat, stands there with his fucking face still caught with his foot in it. Senators hitter Muddy Royale uses his newfound opportunity to move on to hit a double and would later score the winning run to give Washington its only World Series championship. Upon being asked about the incident, Gowdy reminisced, quote, my mask held me like a bear trap, end quote, <laughs> offering no answer on how his foot ended up in his mask. <laughs> Gowdy, Gowdy would not be remembered for his namaste moment on home base or costing the Giants their World Series that year, but rather for being the first baseball player to sign up for service in the military during World War One. He later would leave his coaching job after the war to serve as a captain in World War II at the age of 53 years Years old. He is still believed to be the only big league player to serve in both world wars. His service to this country notwithstanding, you stand on your mound, Paul, looking straight into the eyes of the veteran and the coucher. You see the fateful left foot that would become lodged in his masks <laughs> moments later. Un unbeknownst to you, you decide this is it, man. The strikeout to push us for the win. Our world championship is within our reach. The New York Giants are going to take this home. We will do New York and America proud. We will bring America the highest honor. Just then, Paul, you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me. <clears throat> so uh, I've been doing some uh, marketing research, and <laughs> I've found that families with children spend ten times as much money on Disney products as uh, families without children. Wow. So uh, I want to add to our family-making uh, diverse portfolio here at Disney and add a direct-to-video sequel. Nice. We're going to make Mulan 2, okay? And it's nice. going to be a very good movie because we're going to throw out all the themes on feminism and independence. <laughs> and we're going to make a movie about women needing to get married to men. <laughs> Whatever men happen to fall into their arms, they just need to get married. Because you know what happens when you get married? You What's have that? kids and then you buy Disney products. Oh, yeah. Kids love them. They this love the cute great. little animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. So uh, we're going to just, uh, we're going to, we're going to have some, uh, 
some shit about China because they like the yin and the yang and everything sure, like that. Sure, and, uh, sure. That's basically no, all I, I know about China. <laughs> <laughs> Dragons too, of course. We're gonna mm-hmm. since we can't get Eddie Murphy, we're gonna get his uh, white impersonator in here. Just uh, oh, sure. That's fine. He's already been That's doing fine. the video game voices and everything like that. It doesn't matter. It's the early two thousands. We don't give a shit. Yeah, he just does impersonations of black people for uh, <laughs> our, our animations. It's, it's pretty good because we don't right. have to pay them money. Right. Yeah. Great. So yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, wait, yeah, there's gonna be just... rice in this movie, right? You're gonna have rice. Uh, yes, I think so. That's I the mean, only other thing I know movie. about China. <laughs> Yeah, they like rice and they have fans and stuff too. Great, uh, right. great, yeah. But uh, all the excitement, the you know, fighting and combat that Mulan does, we're gonna get rid of all that because <laughs> women, you know, they can't be pregnant and having babies and fighting yes. and things. Yes. So uh, I agree. A woman's and, place is in the kitchen. They should never yeah, be anywhere yeah. but the kitchen. We find that pregnant women buy less Disney products, so we want to get them from pregnancy to child rearing as quickly as possible so yep. uh, we're gonna just skip through all that fast forward irish a bit. twin those motherfuckers get as many <laughs> kids out as you can <laughs> is that is that racist yeah. by the way irish twins <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what that means honestly so okay uh, so like irish are like heavy catholics and it just means that they're gonna like the only time that they're gonna have sex is when they want to have children so like they're gonna have sex every nine months so that way they <laughs> pop one out right after the other that's what an irish twin means yeah that's good i like that makes sense yeah. <laughs> All right, so so Paul, tell me this, man. Like you hadn't seen this before, right? No, and I hadn't seen the original Mulan either. So I watched them back to back. Yeah, and the difference okay. is pretty astounding. In every way, I like how Mulan challenges the the gender norms and all of that. And, you know, it it challenges female stereotypes, but on the bottom, it's also challenging a lot of male stereotypes and everything like that. And so I thought it was a a pretty good movie overall, you know, and it's got some exciting stuff. It's kind of confronting toxic masculinity as well, which is interesting. It's got all these things, and then you watch this movie, and you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> like, how do they even translate this shit? Right. Like, it just, uh, yeah, it has nothing to do with the original movie, right? So, what did an annoying it, dragon it, characters? <laughs> <laughs> if you had to rate the original out of ten, what would you give it? Uh, I would give it a six or seven, I guess. I mean, yeah, not really your cup of tea. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, it was a great movie or anything, but. Uh, you know, is is good. It's yeah. good enough. But so what would uh, you give this movie <laughs> out of ten? Uh, I was incredibly bored. So that's <laughs> like minus ten points there for that. <laughs> and and the fact that it's just throws the themes and everything like that about the first movie it just throws them out the window. Right. Uh yeah, so I'd give it like a one. I get, I mean <laughs> the 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 animation on the surface looks okay but then you watch it and it's this weird kind of japanese anime influence like you can tell it's way cheaper than right. the original but i mean you know it's a right. fucking direct video so yeah. eh, eh, i mean <laughs> i mean uh, you you sort of balked when i said that it was made for 60 million you couldn't believe that it was made for 60 million yeah no uh, that was surprising i would guess like 15 million maybe <laughs> <laughs> 
as far as I know, it's made by like Disney's Japanese anime right. animation arm. Right. And yeah, it feels like a long TV show. And even though it's 70 minutes, it felt like 120 minutes to me. It was just <laughs> fucking yeah, it just long. Kind of drones on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, so jumping into this, Paul, right away, making fun already of the great sacrifice made made by Mulan with Eddie Murphy, or rather Eddie Murphy's character of Mushu. Something significant turned tawdry right off the bat, like trying to fucking like start that on Mushu's character and like undercut all the sacrifice that Mulan made is like really painful to watch before they even get to the credit sequence. Yeah, but starting. I'm also starting... wondering why the other ancestors are like sucking his dick so much, like. Like they're know, giving dude. him straw buffalo baths and stuff. Oh and... man, it's it's yeah, confusing, it, but it, it doesn't make any sense. Starting a story with silly comedy like this undercuts the significance of the first story, especially with the sobering and majestic music over the opening credits. Like it doesn't <laughs> fucking make sense. But why is there always a gaggle of annoying children pantomiming oh, in these movies? The over reliance yeah. of dopey children acting annoyingly cute makes me never want kids. Just saying. I seriously <laughs> considered tying my tubes after watching this movie. All right, well, thank God that the annoying, like, barky dog that's in the first five minutes of the movie goes away, because I don't know if I could have hung with that thing around for the whole movie, because God damn, it's annoying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I have a problem. Drop a rock I have a problem it. with small dogs. They just piss me off, especially... <laughs> I mean, if they're quiet, fine. I can take that. But right. barky ones, just... I mean, a lot of I'm people... I'm fucking pancake them under a steamroller <laughs> or something like that. Just... For, to be clear, Paul is not advocating for animal cruelty. He is saying... Am I? Not... <laughs> i lived in okay so i lived in uh, san diego for like two years and our neighbors had these two dachshunds and they would just sit outside all day barking at everything and they just had this ear splitting like high-pitched bark that would cut through like anything that you had going on (laughs) in your mind just like directly attacking the center of your like soul and spirit And it just, I spent days fantasizing about ways of killing those dogs. <laughs> like I wanted to make a bunch of balloons and like hang a little sausage with a fish hook and like put it over their yard and the dogs would like bite onto it. And then I just release them and they get taken up into the atmosphere and disappear. Drone strikes. Nice. Like, <laughs> spent way too much time fantasizing about killing them nice you know this is a whole side Um, note that you brought up but uh for people that don't know small dogs are actually the most aggressive breeds of dogs oh yeah for sure i I challenge you to look at a small dog that's barking its head off and losing its goddamn mind the next time you see one do it now imagine a fucking pit bull doing that same thing and what would you say about that pit bull it's just people people look at these small little dogs and they're like oh it's so cute because it can't hurt anybody but motherfucker get that dog under control like that dog is 
annoying <laughs> as shit and aggressive yeah. as shit, you should not encourage that behavior as if it's cute. Yeah. And that's a flat out dead statement. I don't give a fuck. If I think you're I've been bit it. by like six different small oh, dogs sure. in my Absolutely, life. Absolutely, dude. I've been bit more by small dogs in my life yeah. than I have by big dogs. That's the God's honest truth. <laughs> but it's like they're fucking, they're just so over the top. And it's that Napoleon complex. But I want to talk about the music in this movie, Paul. <laughs> One of the first fucking songs in this movie has the line. I'm going to quote here. Like a rock you must stay hard like an oak you must stand firm come quick like my blade <laughs> sounds like a bad ed medication commercial <laughs> or maybe that's just 33 years of the world fucking with my head i don't i'm not sure uh, yeah but while the first movie in this series challenges gender norms a woman's place in a man's world and the mindset of people believing women to be unintelligent and cowardly this movie is strongly reinforcing the gender normative place of a heteronormative relationship and it bores me to tears because there is no <laughs> fucking drama or tension in this movie it's just playful and cutesy scenes chained together and it's fucking <laughs> annoying because of that but dude Mulan and Shang walk outside to see the whole village is shower. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop for a second because the new Mulan is a piece of shit. Okay. Like the new Mulan, I just got to get this out there because I, we're not going to review the new Mulan movie for a while because we did this movie, but the new Mulan for 2020 is a piece of shit. The number one reason that it's a piece of shit is that the lead actress is for a one China policy and actually encouraged the fucking Hong Kong police to beat the living fuck out of the protesters <laughs> and that they shouldn't have their own country, that they should be under control of the fucking government of China. China and have that one China government which is fucking ridiculous. Hong Kong and Taiwan for that matter are their own country. They're sovereign territories. Fuck you China for trying to take over their shit and fuck you China for beating the living Christ out of these people on the street that have every right to protest and be their own country. I just want to make that clear because it's a big problem that I have with the new Mulan movie and it doesn't exactly come through on the screen but it did come through on the screen in the sense that the new Mulan movie fucking tanked because of that woman's <laughs> fucking like opinion and the Hong Kong numbers did as well but besides the fact okay going back to this movie Mulan <laughs> Mulan and Shang walk outside to see the whole village is showering their union with love and Mulan asks quote what's our strategy here general end quote to which he replies divide and conquer as they laugh after the last four years it's hard for me to hear this in any other way other than the monarchical <laughs> division so into this country the, the Wait, ghost how did he become he's like a captain and suddenly he's a general i mean that's because his kinda... dad died dude his dad died right, in the last movie it, you, you there's a couple of ranks a couple of ranks between captain and general, captain and general. <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I don't know about the chinese military to be honest with you i don't know how many ranks you got to skip i guess that, uh, there's captain China, major yeah. there's captain major lieutenant and then what the fuck is past lieutenant I don't know what's past lieutenant actually my my military hierarchy is for shit i don't know how far general comes along the line but i mean i know lieutenant I lieutenant is below major and captain actually is it well maybe you're right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, i mean yeah. i mean you get you get up to major and then what like what's after major i think there's like lieutenant generals brigadier generals i don't know right, whatever yeah. imperial china it's all 
it's all hereditary. I mean, I it's guess, all feudal so. China. Yeah, yeah. So you have no idea. Anyway, I know nothing that. about China. <laughs> I'm sure this movie is racist in a lot of ways, but I oh boy, China. I'm going to get to some oh, of the racism in this movie. But anyway, so the the ghosts of the ancestors form a conga line to cheer Mushu being out of a job, right? Because this movie needs to be that much more annoying in order to have a fucking conga line. But anyway, watching this for the first time this week, I'd never seen this movie before. I'm wondering after 15 minutes and all they have talked about is the fucking wedding. Is this the whole goddamn movie that we're just going to watch this fucking wedding planning? I'm like, what is this? A fucking wedding planning movie? Like, because I can't handle this honey dripping bullshit. Do any of the Disney sequels have a real conflict in them? So I'm trying to think of like if there's an actual villain in them that ha- there's like actual stakes. I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. Feels like talk more. About, like- most of these movies are designed to sit the children down in a comfortable place and not right. scare them. Like right. uh, you know the the original Disney movies where someone's gonna die at some right. point. There's all the right. stuff at stake. It's more drama, but this is just an afternoon of mind-numbing entertainment for some five-year-olds i guess <laughs> right know. well i mean if you want to if you want to separate the pixar movies for a second because i don't want to go down that yeah, route yeah, of yeah. trying to talk about we, pixar sequels don't don't mention disney and pixar in the same sentence they're not the same thing <laughs> just don't worry about it. Okay. right in terms of the disney sequels the the disney sequels in general no you're absolutely correct there's no real conflict in any of the disney sequels because the original disney movies and they actually had some sort of like drama or conflict or antagonist that was like going to destroy everything that the hero of our story is like working toward and the the sequels are just there in order to profit on the fact that those movies made money so like they try to do whatever they can in order to make the movie entertaining enough that you're not going to be like this is a pile of shit and shut it off except if you're older than seven and you can think (laughs) for yourself you're like god damn it why am i watching this moving on the yin yang necklaces what the fuck is this fucking bff (laughs) spirituality bullshit (laughs) for real well it's taoism I mean, yeah, it's Taoism. I get it. uh, I looked it up because I thought maybe Taoism kind of fell out of favor because Taoism has been around since like 500 BC or something like that. Right. Figured by Imperial China times, it would have gone away, but it was actually pretty popular back then. So I can't really shit on it for bringing that. I'm not shitting on Taoism, but I'm shitting about the (laughs) yin yang BFF necklaces. That's what I'm shitting about. But side note if you want to know one of the best books to understand Taoism, this is a side note in my spiritual quest as a human being, but if you want to read one of the best books about Taoism, check out The Tao of Pooh. And it is a book talking about Pooh Bear from Winnie the Pooh as a Taoist. And he is the most perfect Taoist in the history <laughs> of fucking visual medium. Just check it out. It's a, it's a short book. It's extremely entertaining. It's something like maybe 110 pages. It's nothing. It's like a little pocket book. But it's fucking yeah. incredible. Like, it really, really is. You got to check out The Tao of Pooh <laughs> if you haven't read it. Anyway, 
Cats. Moving on back to this movie, Mushu is so selfish that he is willing to sabotage Mulan's relationship for his own ends. So now one of the most endearing characters from the film <laughs> is a selfish villain. Like even going so far as to threaten to kill the cricket at every turn that he possibly can. Like this is a really, yeah. really fucking no, strange turn in portrayal of son is that the the cute dragon from the first movie is now the mediocre villain of the second <laughs> movie. Yeah. There isn't a real villain in the second one other than Mushu, like a central villain. Yeah. There's like the whole no. thing about like the war and like the fucking Mongolians or whatever. But like there's no central villain like the first one with that guy with the black eyes, which is fucking rad, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But also slightly offensive toward Amazing. Mongolian yeah. people. But besides that, <laughs> dude. But moving on, the the three soldier sidekicks from the first movie, which I will continue to call them throughout this movie as Mo, Larry, and Curly for yeah. the resemblance to a certain trio, <laughs> get thrown out of the matchmaker's house, and the skinny one, Larry, we will call him, says, "Forget that dragon lady." End quote. Which is actually a pretty offensive term. <laughs> stereotyping old Chinese ladies. I just want to reinforce that for a second. Because there is a whole thing within... I mean, this is within every fucking like minority diaspora, is that within a minority diaspora, you can use certain derogatory phrases towards each other, but the moment that it goes outside of your diaspora, it doesn't make it any better. I'm not trying to qualify that, but the moment that it moves outside of your racial group, it becomes extremely offensive. So while these are supposed to be Chinese characters speaking about a Chinese woman as a dragon lady... It is white men that are fucking voicing it for the most part. And that is extremely offensive, especially being written by three white men and being directed <laughs> by two white people. This is a problem. So, Paul, the story of this movie is, is that the three stooges in Shang and Mulan are to take the emperor's three daughters across China to do an arranged marriage to unite the country, right? And it just so happens that the three stooges are looking for wives. So let's just predict where this movie is going as I'm watching it since I haven't seen this before. Given the Cinderella scene with Mo at the back of the wagon when they first meet the daughters, the three daughters fall in love with the three stooges and the stooges are so selfish they don't give a fuck about the peace as long as they get their piece of ass right <laughs> i hate this fucking like thing that disney reinforces about true love and like that true love is perfect and it just falls into your lap and blah 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 and there's no like work to relationships or any of that shit but they stop by the road to eat and stretch their legs, and here my theory is being confirmed. Mo and May start flirting, Curly and the other broad flirt over gathering food, and Larry and Princess Ting Ting talk it up by a tree, even though she runs away mortified by his awful puns. <laughs> Yeah, I think one thing that they miss in this movie, if they're going to use their kind of Three Stooges characters, is the Mo character needs to be more violent. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I mean, he is. He is in the first movie, he's, though. He's, oh, he's wailing the, the most living violent. Christ yeah, he's everybody. definitely the most violent, but he's just not violent enough to, like, carry it Compared through. Compared to Mo. Know? They yeah. should have had him banging heads with hammers and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Or stabbing people in the eyes constantly with his yeah. fingers or <laughs> running a, a fucking saw over the top of Curly's head or any of the other shit. <laughs> Uh, so, Paul, speaking of food and being mortified, this leads me to my sandwich oh, beef of the week. Shit. 
want to talk today about the importance of cheese, all right? It is really important. Oh, man. Okay, so... Wait, wait, wait. Look... Before you go on, is a grilled cheese only bread and cheese and maybe a fat to get it crispy? Can you put anything else in a grilled cheese, or does it then metamorphize size into, into a melt if you put, like, ham or something in it, you know? All right, so as I understand the definition of a melt, it's only a melt if it's a tuna melt, right? Like if you add tuna inside of it. I mean, it could be. Or, I, I mean, there's know. a patty there's melt, kind of, right? That's yeah. the only other kind of melt that I know of is a patty melt. I think a melt is just a sandwich that's toasted, but it has to have cheese that's melted in it. But I think a, a melt doesn't have to is have also a melt. bread, though. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be toasted bread if it's a melt. It just has to be melted cheese over the meat. All right, all right. I think. I don't, I don't know. I mean, but if you, put, question. if you put ham or fucking capers or something in a grilled cheese, <laughs> is it no longer a grilled cheese because it has that shit in it? I don't know, man, because the reason that I'm going to qualify this next argument is because in the movie Mouse Hunt, the absolute masterpiece that it is, <laughs> <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Fucking Nathan Lane is making the grilled cheese, and he has capers on the top of the grilled cheese that says Merry Christmas on it. And uh, his own brother sends it back saying no capers. And he's like, which one of you palatless sheep sent my sandwich back? (laughs) That is a classic, classic movie. I don't give a shit how fucking how critics shit on that movie unfairly that's a fucking great movie but i'm gonna move back to my sandwich beef for a second so living in new york paul it's a gastronomy capital of the world right like four out of the top 50 restaurants in the world are located in new york city like more than france for christ's sake if you were to ask me about the corn husk custard and meringue i had at cosme aka the 32nd best restaurant in the world a couple years ago for my anniversary i couldn't put it into words the literal fuck orgasm that I had when I <laughs> ate there, right? It's fucking great, dude. If you ever come out and visit, you gotta go to Cosme. Shit's amazing. I... I cannot recommend that restaurant enough. The large immigrant population in New York has exposed me to more foods than I could have ever have hoped for, most especially in Queens, where I actually wandered across an entire block that was Bosnian Zaryovian food. And I was like, what the living fuck (laughs) is Bosnian Zaryovian food? And I remember that I even looked at the menus and I was like, I don't recognize one fucking thing in this. Like, even from other Slavic dishes, like, I don't recognize anything. It's just all this shit that I have no idea what the hell it is, but like, I'm like, I'm kind of interested. I never, ever have come across food like this. I never thought that I'd ever see New York, number one, let alone live here, eat here, love here, or buy a home here. But the large Italian population has led to an absolute cornucopia of amazing handmade Italian dishes all over the city, right? Like real shit, man. Real handmade pasta, real handmade everything. Cheese, fucking prosciutto, everything. Handmade right there, blah, 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 blah. But Diker Heights in Brooklyn, gives me Spumoni Gardens and their square pizza pie. In Prospect Heights, I have Ogliastra Pizza Bar, my favorite pizza in New York. Hands down, their carbonara is fucking amazing, dude. It's the best pizza that I've had, period. Best pizza ever, (laughs) I swear to God. But... Italians in New York make fresh mozzarella literally everywhere in the five boroughs, right? And it is the crowning achievement on sandwiches, pizza, and pasta. A good handmade fresh mozzarella is just mind-blowingly good. (laughs) 
But this leads me to Brooklyn Pizza on Ralph Avenue in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. They don't make their mozzarella. They get it out of a bag. And because they get it from a bag, the cheese (laughs) melts like a fucking ice cream cone laying in the summer heat on Queens Boulevard. A sad (laughs) and sorry excuse for the real thing. (laughs) What? What bothers me most about their cheese is the fact that it forms a plasticine skin on the pizza, not too dissimilar from fucking melted saran wrap that is not only disgusting in texture, but taste as well. Brooklyn Pizza, if you want to poison me, just do what your forefathers did instead. Fucking mow me down in the street in front of the fruit market and leave me for dead like Vito and the Godfather. Put me out of my fucking misery and never feed me your fucking dried jizz stain of an excuse for cheese ever again. Fuck you, Brooklyn Pizza on Ralph Avenue. Eat a fucking bag of blue waffle dicks. You fucking suck. Fuck you. Apologies are due this week, by the way, from last week, as I forgot to include my sandwich beef last week when we did the last days of American crime. Didn't recall missing that. Anyway, going back to this movie. (laughs) Going back to the flirting on the roadway, Paul, when May... Wait, wait. You know what's crazy? Asians don't have cheese for the most part. Mm. Think about it. Yeah, I don't don't know about that, actually. I don't want to make a blanket statement in terms of that because maybe they do, but I don't remember. Pretty much all East Asian cuisine is lacking cheese. You have to go to, like, India to get any kind of cheese going right for so so talk to me i i think that maybe crab rangoon is like an american invention or something like that but that's like pretty sure. cheese in it, right yeah i'm pretty sure that's a american chinese kind of thing yeah, yeah i think yeah, it's yeah. like maybe i'm wrong here but i think asians are generally lactose intolerant and they lack some kind of gene for digesting dairy that's not entirely accurate i feel because like a a, a common like chinese dish at least that i've understood anyway having not been to china is that like a breakfast dish is like rice and like some sort of milk and like nuts and like maybe an egg or something like that so i don't know if they're entirely lactose intolerant it's just while it comes to cheese specifically like you have to mix in what's what's the name of the uh the the congealing ingredients called like i I always say that it's right rennet that's it i was gonna say ricin which is completely wrong by the way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah like renin and it's it's sort of lacking because like renin is a byproduct of like animal fat and to yeah. like not have that in your everyday like you know cuisine is like a, a key ingredient to making cheese i feel so i mean maybe you're right maybe they don't have cheese but i think that they have milk for sure just saying i don't know my my uh, knowledge of asian everything is kind of sad honestly (laughs) yeah i mean it's limited to your american perspective though so i'm not gonna completely begrudge you on that given that neither one of us have been to china maybe if someone out there is listening you can educate us on whether china actually has cheese maybe i'm wrong i have no idea i i feel like almost every culture has it but i don't know anything about asian cheese there's no like asian cheeses that you can get at the world market or anything like that i swear that like Pizza Hut, in order for them to be successful in China, where they've tried to expand, they have to have pizzas without cheese on them. Hmm. And then once they figured that part out, then they like kind of... <laughs> 
got in a little weird slice of the market or a some pizza shit. pizza without cheese is just bread and fucking sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that? I don't know. They put some other weird shit on there. Pizza, pizza by definition is a transport device of cheese. Like, <laughs> and the toppings. Like, that's what it is. Because you can't just sit there with like a bowl of mozzarella and pepperoni and eat it without thinking that you're some sort of fat bastard. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people would judge you hardcore if you're sitting there eating a bowl of mozzarella and pepperoni. <laughs> anyway, going back to the flirting on the roadway, when May grills Mulan about balancing duty in her heart, right? There is a hidden Mickey on the round container that May drops. So number one, fuck you, Disney, and your fucking hidden Mickeys all over the place. And then Mulan says, quote, by following her feelings, she ended up doing the right thing. She learned by doing her duty, she followed her heart. So following her heart is her duty. But by that rationale, these princesses' duty is to unite the region with their marriage. So how can they follow their heart if their duty is uniting the region? <laughs> yeah, that whole movie kind of ignores that. The end. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, this conversation also single-handedly fucks up Mulan's challenging of the establishment and saving the empire by reducing her achievement to her finding a man. Backtail test <laughs> fail, motherfucker. Now we enter a multiple scene montage of Mushu trying to fuck up their marriage, right? By playing practical jokes on Shang. How is him looking like a fool while fishing, riding, or eating with Mulan supposed to drive them apart? You know what I mean? Like, I this is know. stupid. Disturb me is sequence. when he, like, cuts Shang's saddle uh, stirrup or whatever and he falls right. underneath his horse and so Milan <laughs> is like oh that's cute and she swings under her horse and they like kiss each other right. meanwhile there's like two big old horse sticks in the face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like is that how you get off? All right. But anyway, I know that this scene of like Mushu like trying to sabotage them is supposed to be funny, but it's just more silly bullshit rather than being paramount to the story. It's just become a Looney Tune rather than an extension of the story of part one, right? Yeah. So Mushu fucks around and causes the wagon to careen off the nearest cliff and nearly kill everyone, right? <laughs> Why is there always a fucking cliff nearby when Disney needs to forward the story along? Like, they couldn't have just been in, like, a fucking rice field in the southern province of China where there's, like, no cliffs at all. They had to be next to the one cliff that's, like, 60 yards away. But anyway, Shang complains that they are lost and that there isn't a river on the map, right? And Disney uses this opportunity <laughs> to not only reinforce Mulan's free spirit of let's just wing it, but to also reinforce gender norms with Mulan saying, let's just stop and ask for directions and Shang refusing because why not? <laughs> That's funny, right? We'll just uh, reinforce yeah. gender norms throughout this movie. Writers thought that was clever. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, okay, so anachronisms can be funny in terms of like, you know, do you a side ever ask for directions? Because I think it's impossible for me to do that. Uh, I have to go to the map. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't ask for directions. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know a majority of my life has been with like GPS around, so like it, I don't really need to ask for directions. But if I'm like lost and I'm trying to find a particular thing, like a bar that may not have a sign, a la "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" or something like that, right. like, I will 
ask about shit like that because I'm like, I don't know if I'm in the right place. There's supposed to be this fucking place around here. And then somebody inevitably helps me. But in terms of like, how do I get to St. Louis from Omaha, Nebraska? I'm not going to ask for directions, <laughs> that kind of shit, because it's pretty simple. But anyway, they hug and it just so happens that their yin yang necklaces get tangled, right? Because it represents obviousness that they're going to be okay, <laughs> even though they're opposites. But the princesses sing a song about wanting to be like other girls and not folding their hands perfectly. And I want to reinforce this for a second because this is a huge, huge racist moment that they say like holding a lily, right, in the song. But they say it in a very racist Chinese voice, complete with the lack of being able to pronounce their L's correctly. And I found this extremely <laughs> offensive. <laughs> They were like, right, holding moment. a really. And I'm like, God damn it. What the fucking shit, man? There's another moment earlier in the movie where one of the characters delivers a punchline and they have a gong. And I'm like, God damn, that's some Fu Manchu bullshit. Like, yep. what the fuck? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, that was good stuff. But Shang wakes up to see Mushu putting on a marionette show as Mulan and making fun of him and his breath, right? Like that his breath stinks. Even though he can clear clearly see the sticks attached to the puppet that are being mimed in order to be Mulan and him being a fucking grown man he still <laughs> falls for this shit but Mushu sets up a conflict of Mulan being a bad influence on the princesses despite her running away from the camp in order to go keep them safe and despite the guards being out for their own ends to fall in love with the princesses so all of this points back to Shang being a convenient dolt who is willing to <laughs> lash out at Mulan over nothing despite this not being in his yeah. character at all in the last movie or in the first third of this movie. He just changes his fucking character right in the middle of this right just the, because yeah. of story purposes. By the way, he's like so, so white bread in this movie. Yeah. Like yeah. Wonder Bread. Just why would she ever want to marry him? I don't understand. And and the whole movie kind of almost milk toast. Yeah, milk toast. The whole movie just like reinforces the fact that they're not very good with each other. And yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, Even though they're great they... for each other in the first one. And... Mm, yeah. yeah. Fine. <laughs> but dude, lightning bugs land on some firecrackers and inexplicably light them. Okay, so I want to reinforce for a second that while China did invent gunpowder for all intents and purposes, right? Like, it's a very well-known thing that they made fireworks before everybody else and, like, fucking even gunpowder in some instances before everybody else. But having firecrackers and fireworks everywhere that they possibly can in this movie <laughs> feels like a somewhat racist stereotype of Chinese people. But besides the fact, the lightning bugs land on the firecrackers and inexplicably light them. I know I shouldn't concentrate on things like this as this is a <laughs> movie with a talking <laughs> dragon, but that's not how this shit works, like I'm just saying. Also, isn't this movie the same story as Aladdin? You know, this guy like falling in love with the princess and the monkey trying to keep him away even though like he wants to be with her. This feels a lot like Aladdin. I mean, it's got princesses and a they kind of want to do their own thing and follow their own bullshit. Which is exactly so, what... It's, it's all Disney movies, pretty much. <laughs> 
But anyway, Shang catches up with Mulan and company and blames Mulan for everything. And despite them being through a literal war in the first movie, <laughs> they break up because they think this makes them too different. Because according to Disney, women are nothing without their men. <laughs> Mushu finally reveals it was all him driving a wedge between Mulan and Shang in a large bout of recapping exposition. And as Mulan decides, she is going to forgive Shang because another man told her so again with the Becktail <laughs> test problem she rides to tell him that she loves him just in time for the bandits to strike great great script writing assholes <laughs> But the bandits fight with the Stooges and despite several moments with an evil bandit who has the ability and the opportunity to cut someone's head off, they don't take their chance to kill anyone. They literally hit the Stooges <laughs> with the pommels of their swords rather than swinging the blade to kill them. So this, Paul, leads me to dumb fuck moment number one of the movie. Right. I want to talk about the suspension rope bridge scene, okay? Shang and Mulan fight the bandits on the bridge and the bandit gets free only to cut the bridge ropes. Mulan and Shang hang by a literal thread and Shang makes the decision to save Mulan by letting go of her hand, right? Never mind that Mulan could have waited for some cartoonish Three Stooges rope bridge to be formed <laughs> or some other Disney bullshit, but he falls presumably to his death and she cries in the rain, again, because this woman has no identity beyond the men that he are falls in her like life. 200 meters into yeah, water easy. i mean that's like landing on a fucking concrete cement. Yeah, exactly <laughs> landing on a sidewalk mulan decides to continue with the mission to honor shang just as we reveal of course that he isn't really dead he miraculously survived <laughs> mulan decides the way to finish the mission is to marry the other kingdom to unite the realm in order to let the guards marry the princesses right and it's revealed that she is to marry a man child playing with chinese handcuffs again slightly <laughs> racist but besides the fact <laughs> but before the deed is done, the princess and the stooges recap the plot just in time for Shang to not only reveal himself that he is alive, but also to complete their sentence for them. Clever screenwriting, right? <laughs> He doesn't reveal himself at all. He just waits for the perfect time that he can say the end part of their sentence. Oh, man. He's like, oh, my God, he's alive. He's alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, the funny part is he walks into, like, this uh, king or emperor's palace. And just about as the man child is going to marry Mulan, he, like, throws a throwing star, like, through the air and, like, <laughs> slices know. off the uh, emperor's what is he i don't remember no no he like, wraps like things around their hands sort of like what you did at your wedding and he like cuts those in half but i mean uh if i were that emperor guy i would just put that guy to death like yeah. immediately for <laughs> coming in coming to my palace and insulting my son throwing insulting star. my kingdom yeah yeah, yeah. i'll, I'll yeah. get to that in a second because it gets a lot deeper than that paul but <laughs> we, we cut to a ticking clock scenario of Mulan preparing uh, uh, the wed while Shang rides to intervene, right? But we could see in the previous shot the kingdom was not that far away. It was like on top of a hill that was in fucking spitting distance. And it was day in that scene, and now it's night as she makes her way to the altar. Very slowly, mind you. But how fucking far away was this kingdom in the previous shot? And how slow does Shang ride, man? But... 
Not to mention the ceremony of it all would be embarrassing to the entire kingdom. Not to mention that him shitting all over the ceremony for his own gain in front of another emperor would surely end in <laughs> Shang's death. Like you said. But on top of the fact that he is a general of the army of another emperor. Like he's not going to, this emperor is not going to recognize this guy's like fucking authority in any way. He's just going to be like, who's this jerk off? Put him to death. <laughs> His head would be lopped from his shoulders within seconds, I feel. <laughs> but Mushu decides to pantomime that he is the dragon of unity, right? Despite the stone statue not moving as we know they do when they are awakened. The whole goddamn superstitious crowd bows down to the dragon. Because again, superstitious people of color is what we know in movies. <laughs> So Mushu uses his position as a way of releasing Mulan and the princesses from their duty to the empire. And the emperor just accepts this at face value, despite the <laughs> dragon of unity not moving. And the entire kingdom just accepts this with no question and tons of celebration and fireworks again, even though it is in the face of thousands of years of tradition. They just usurp all of this by yeah. a dragon that is somehow talking, but is not moving and is not any sort of spiritual awakening whatsoever it's literally a voice just coming out of the fucking mouth of the dragon and even in the wide shot you can see mushu standing between the fucking teeth <laughs> But besides the fact, so it's revealed, Paul, that Shang is combining the two temples as we get back to the end of the movie, right? He's combining the two temples of their ancestors and that Mushu, of course, will keep his pedestal. And Mushu proceeds to be abusive and demanding of pampering <laughs> as he was before. So in other words, he didn't learn a goddamn thing. And this whole enough. goddamn movie was just to make sure that Mushu had bubble baths. Is that what I'm understanding <laughs> is the purpose of this movie? So no yeah. character arcs happen in this movie. I guess Shang learns to like go with well, the flow. I mean, Mulan and Shang betrayed their country, and <laughs> I mean, committed the you know, there's a treason, there's basically. a Mongol horde heading to China now right. that can't defend itself without the alliance that they fucked right. up. So. Right. <laughs> Oh, but they're know. in love, it's, Paul, and that's all that uh, matters. They're in love. There's their arc. They just said, fuck it. Everyone can die. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Shang, all he learns is to go with the flow, but only if it benefits him. And Mushu is still in the same place as he was, a selfish <laughs> prick. So, like, literally nobody did anything in this movie. It's just a bunch of scenes cut together for... <laughs> comedic value maybe i'm not exactly sure i guess yeah for. but it's i guess if you're five years old it could be funny yeah hey. <laughs> boo disney <laughs> fuck you roll credits to a very awful song by the way oh, <laughs> like, yeah it was terrible what happened to like good disney songs man okay so i don't want to i don't want to keep bringing everything back to the lion king from 1994 but like the lion king soundtrack is fucking dope the whole goddamn soundtrack yeah. is amazing yeah, Hans awesome. zimmer won his oscar for it tim rice and elton john fucking slay the fucking songs in that movie <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we're stuck with this shit, this awful, like, poppy, <laughs> late 90s bullshit, which I'm extremely confused by. And there's just, like, random Chinese instruments, like, overlaid over drums and, like, electric guitars. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who wrote this shit? It's so terrible. <laughs> 
But we roll credits, and yeah, 79 flaccid minutes later, here we are. Fuck you, Disney at all. Dude, I fucking hate this movie mostly because it like <laughs> undercuts everything that made the original yeah. even somewhat interesting and it just reinforces the idea that like women need to marry a man yeah. number one so it's heteronormative on top of the fact yeah, that it's no, it, it is women. funny that the all the princesses they take their newfound freedom and they immediately marry some soldiers yeah. i feel like maybe they lived kind of sheltered lives and they immediately latch on to the first man that they meet and maybe right. they don't realize how low they're going with Mo, Larry, and Curly. So <laughs> Wait, so Paul, correct my memory from history. Is the foot binding thing a Chinese thing or a Japanese thing? It's a Chinese thing, right? Where they used to bind women's feet? I, I don't know. East Asian something. <laughs> no, I'm just confused by it because during feudal times like this, wouldn't these women have their feet bound, especially if they're like fucking, you know, part of the monarchy, so to speak, or part of the royal? Well, I mean, they're like complaining in one of their songs. They complain about their tight shoes or whatever. That's right. Yeah, it's a Chinese thing. All right. The, the internet Chinese says it's so. Chinese. So, yeah. <laughs> so they do complain about that, uh, but... They don't show how fucked up their feet are and how they yeah. can't actually walk or run or do anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, if you don't know the history of that necessarily, like women's feet were bound when they were children so that way their feet wouldn't grow, so that way they couldn't use their feet, that way they couldn't run away from their abusive husbands, <laughs> their possibly abusive husbands. Like, how fucked up is that, bro? Like, that's one of the most fucked up things that ha has happened in society, minus that thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago about that that country in Africa that like there was that tradition of like kidnapping women to marry them. What fucking country was that that I was talking uh, about? I, don't know. I was like blown uh. away by that. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of fucked up traditions in the States for oh, sure. Yeah, for I'm sure. not going to try to claim that Americans know anything about like female empowerment or like female rights, even in today's day and age. Like we still <laughs> haven't gotten that shit correct, but it's fucking incredible to me that we just keep fucking this up as a culture in the world as a whole is that like women are somehow a threat to us constantly that we need to constantly placate them and put them down so that way they're in some sort of lower strata whether that means that we need to cut their wages or not allow them to have credit cards in the United States until 1990 by the way <laughs> unless they had a fucking husband look it up motherfucker it's a real thing Women were not allowed to have a credit card on their own unless they had a husband up until 1990. If you were a single woman, you could not have a credit card on your own unless you were married. God damn. That is some fucked up fucking draconian bullshit from <laughs> not that long ago. Anyway. Yeah. I'm looking so, at these pictures of like these bound feet and it's supposed to be a thing of beauty, but god damn those are some like mutant yeah. elephantitis feet it's, <laughs> uh, it's not very dude the x-rays of bound women's feet from like the 1930s and 40s is some fucked up shit if you look at the x-rays it's like <laughs> god damn man like their feet are just like this fucking clusterfuck of bones like jammed into each other and it's like actually kind of incredible in the way that like it's a fucking human anomaly and medical anomaly paul talk to me about this for a second do you have 
anything else to say about this uh, very anti-feminism, anti-women's <laughs> rights movie? No, I mean, as you're explaining it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a 70-minute movie because there's not a lot that happens. No. I think that's the worst part is there's a lot of cool, like, sword fights and battle scenes in Mulan, and you get yeah, nothing. No spectacle, yeah. No <laughs> yeah. Nothing, yeah. yeah it's just... Terrible, terrible. Flat, flat, flat. Anyway, so Paul, looking into next week, man, I'm, I'm really interested what you might have on the docket here. Like, what do you, what do you think of the oh, next man. week? I don't know. You got any ideas here? You know, I had one idea, and then I forgot what it was. <laughs> Shit. I I was thinking I hate to go back to a fucking Nicolas Cage movie right away, but <laughs> I was looking at that Gone in sixty seconds is on like Amazon oh, or something God. right now. And I was like, God damn it, oh, man. that movie is so fucking bad. When did that come out? I think it was two <clears throat> two thousand actually. I think it was 2000? right at the turn of the millennium. Or do you want to shit on something that I like, like Tall Tale or Call of the Wild? <laughs> Let's see here. How bad is Tall Tale? the critics hate it i think i've seen it but i just don't remember much about it dude i fucking love it man i don't know what it is about that movie i think a lot of it has a lot of it is helped out by uh janusz kaminski's photography on it though like it's fucking gorgeous dude it's a yeah. fucking gorgeous movie i mean you didn't like ad astra as i understand it right i didn't like the ending you think the ending fucked it up for you no i mean it's a good movie overall it's fine but the ending was <laughs> stupid and <laughs> missed the whole tone of the movie it felt like and i was like okay. yeah it felt like uh studio execs thought the original ending was boring so they had to have some kind of timer explosion they and, did that's exactly right. what happened when that's i like thought the that... real fucking like story is, is that they literally yeah. put that in because they wouldn't let him have the rest of the movie the way that he wanted to do it if they didn't have the fucking nuclear explosion at the end <laughs> What's your problem mm-hmm. with The Last Samurai? Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you like the movie overall, or is it just Tom Cruise fucked it up for you? You know, I'd have to watch it again, I think. Uh, I mean, there is this whole white savior thing about it yeah, that like, bothers me. Yeah, I think that's me. probably the, the angle that you could shit on it from. <laughs> but no, nah, I mean, uh, I think it was entertaining enough. Have we done a bad superhero movie? I, I honestly think that we should wait until uh, Justice League comes out on HBO Max. <laughs> talk about justice league but that would require you to watch the original justice league as well as the snyder cut and that's like six hours of you like fucking investing your time when does that come out that's a long time from now isn't it i want to say that it's like yeah i want to say that's like february or something like that it's like it's next year and it's hbo max obviously but i saw batman v superman so i wouldn't have to do too much catching up oh my god Oh my God. I don't I don't even know how to talk about Batman v Superman. Oh dude, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there and I think I'm gonna strongly endorse this, but Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good choice there. That's it's a classic. It's a classic, classic of bad shit. Oh my god. What does that even have on Metacritic, actually, now that I'm thinking about it? I think Super Mario Brothers is a good choice. I think choice. Super Mario Brothers is the way to go next week. I, I remember being excited about that as a kid. <laughs> and god damn. 
<laughs> when I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? Did you see it in theaters? I don't, I don't remember. I remember hating it. Strong hatred as a kid toward a movie. I mean, that <laughs> that's a lie. Yeah. Pretty rare. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we're going to push forward that. I, yeah. I, yeah. I think that it's a great, like, back to Hollywood <laughs> bullshit production, like, bad movie ideas and shit. And rather than being, like, sort of niche type project stupidity. Like, I mean, it is a niche movie, but it was, like, something that a studio was actually banking on making money. And they, like, <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> you know, I recently watched Cutthroat Island, and I don't know saying. why it's so hated. It's just such a lukewarm movie, man. Like, yeah, there's no reason but, for it to uh, exist. I feel like it's a good, ridiculous, uh, like campy you know, bullshit, thing. campy movie, pirate movie. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's as good as any of the you know sequels to Pirates of the Caribbean. I'd yeah. say. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, At World's End is like one of my most hated movies. On top of the fact that oh, it's yeah, like no, three it's, hours it's long, better than most of those actually, and like three hundred million dollar budget pile <laughs> of shit. And then there's like the rock crabs that like carry the boat through the sand. What the fuck was going on with that shit? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> that whole movie is it's just it doesn't matter anymore. No, fuck it. it doesn't. It doesn't. Let's let's do Super, Super Mario. Mario Brothers. Yeah, good go. childhood horror nostalgia kind of <laughs> stuff going on there. Something for me. Oh so. man. Anyway, so thank you, listeners, once again for <laughs> listening to us. Thank you for uh, subscribing, liking, all that shit. Like us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Comment what you think you would like us to see. That I think it would be a really interesting suggestion. I want to start taking the fans' suggestions, so to speak, of a oh, movie yeah. that we could shit on, especially if they challenge us. But once again, you cannot go toward the unimpeachable list. I will list that out <laughs> in the fucking Instagram what movies you cannot shit on. Once again, listeners, this is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. I am Paul Schendel. Thank you, guys. Have a great night.